chores, old women securing ponies, warriors heading for the council lodge, brushed past him. He stood outside her lodge, rooted, patient as a tree. A mare whinnied behind his father Redbird's lodge, far across the prairies where the night herder had hobbled his father's many horses. A stallion answered with a great shrilling. A falling star streaked in a wide arc across the skies. Stepping closer, no name blew his flute again, this time very softly. Come, his flute said. I have something to tell you. He waited. In the lull, the smells of the camp wafted by him. Meat drying behind Leaf's teepee, a buffalo hide curing on a rack, a pipe spuming kinnikinick, sweet grass and sage burning in the council lodge where someone was being initiated into a warrior society. He moved up until he stood beside the door flap of her teepee. I hear you, his flute said. My ears are as keen as a robin's, and I hear you breathing. You are there. Come. The rustling tree whispers above. He waited. A dog howled at the far end, setting off a long series of answering yowls from dogs all over the village. Moon Dreamer had taken to beating his medicine drum slowly. To thumb. To thumb. Still exercising in a high chant over Grandfather Wandering Man. Nearby, another nightwalker blew love notes on a flute. A hand touched his elbow. It was Leaf. Her wide smile flashed up at him in the dark. She stood in the slanting door, her feet still inside the teepee, her thighs and body outside. Her head came up to his chin. In a loving manner, he threw his white robe around her. They nestled together inside the fur. I have come to you, he said. Have you? He stroked her arms from the shoulder down to the wrist. He had slim, eloquent fingers, and he caressed her again and again. Her snowy doe-skin dress made soft, ruffling noises under his fingertips. She slipped an arm around his middle. The musk smell of the robe enclosed them. There are many moccasin tracks before your door, he said. She smiled up at him. Her face was like a gently smiling brown moon. Her slanting eyes glinted like a pair of willow leaves. I have seen a young girl who looks so beautiful to me, he said. I feel sick when I think about her. She slipped her other arm around him. Tomorrow you will sing about me and call out my name for the others to laugh at me, and I will feel ashamed and will hide. Have I called your name before? She rested her head against his chest. She said, A maiden does not talk to her lover until he has married her. He groaned over her. The perfume of coneflowers rose from her hair. There was also in her braids the smell of a teepee fire. I am without a wife, he said. I am naked. Your father has many horses, she said. With soft downward strokes, he rubbed her firm, well-muscled arms. He was sick. Her father and mother wanted many horses in payment for her. Yet he had no horses. And until a vision had been given him by the gods, he could not ask his own father and mother for horses. No name sighed. 
Three times he had gone to a high hill and lonely fast to receive his vision, and three times nothing had happened. No protective spirit animal, no spirit wolf or spirit bear had appeared to him to become his helper in war and peace. There had been only hunger, and very lonely nights, and much weakness after. His father Redbird had said nothing, though it could be seen in Redbird's manner that he was disappointed in his son. Redbird was very old and afraid he would die before his son received his vision of life and performed a deed of valor. The village knew this and wondered, and that was why some of the younger braves, taunting, had taken to calling his son No Name. The older warriors, meanwhile, shied from asking his son along on their war parties or inviting him to join their warrior societies. No Name sighed for a second time, deeply. He held Leaf close. Leaf guessed his thoughts.